Thank you for downloading the Barbecue Central Show. The Barbecue Central Show is supported in part by these great sponsors. The Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices and barbecue pits. Their website is thebbqguru.com. Also, Butcher Barbecue, maker of injections, rubs, and sauces. Their website is butcherbbq.com. And by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for anything in the barbecue and grilling industry to include world championship winning rubs. Their website, bigpapasmokers.com. And by Cookshack, maker of pellet and electric cookers. You can visit them at cookshack.com. Also, Chops Power Injector System. Three different size injectors to choose from. Find out more at barbecuekansascity.com, and that's barbecue, B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E. And by Pit Barrel Cooker, one of the most unique and versatile cookers out there on the market. Visit them at pitbarrelcooker.com. And by Smithfield, the biggest name in pork, bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get Smokin' with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokinwithsmithfield.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the finest pellet cookers on the market. Their website, greenmountaingrills.com. Also by Cookin' Pellets, manufacturer of wood pellets to fire wood pellet cookers. Their website is cookinpellets.com. You can also purchase on Amazon.com as well. And finally, by Unknown Barbecue Supply, makers of lid hinges, chimney grillers, and much more. You can visit their website, unknownbbq.com slash shop. Use promo code REMPY for 15% off your entire order. This is Rennie Kanoff with ChampionshipBBQ.TV, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening, and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday If you feel in the very cockles, dare I say the sub-cockle region of your heart, that you want to jump in tonight and lend something superior to the show, a thought, a take, a comment, a point of view, I'm more than happy to have you. Here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram, at BBQ Central Show. If you didn't get the newsletter, you can find out who's on the show right now. Also, I'm doing a little Instagramming and some of this other social media platform stuff, so be sure to hit me up wherever it is that I produce content to that I don't know. 
Also, anything else you want to find out of the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. Here's what's happening. At 9.14, coming up at about 12 minutes from now, his normal third Tuesday of the month guest spot, a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Famer, Stephen Reichlin, joining us. At 9.35, a longtime sponsor of this show, president and CEO of Cook Shack, talking about, A, electric smokers just in general. I still feel that there might be some type of a stigma when it comes to electric smokers, and probably well-deserved to some fashion. But not all electric smokers slash cookers are built the same. And no better person to talk about electric smokers to than... The president and CEO of Cook Shack, Stuart Powell, 935. We'll also be talking about a brand new product release, and maybe it is either just released or it hasn't been released or like first of next month, something along these lines. I said last year that 2017 barbecue trend, in my estimation, was going to be the amount of pizza ovens, cookers, accessories brought to market here this year. And certainly, as an email from a fan right before the show started, let me see if I can find that one. This one uh, from David B. Pizza is going to be hot in 2017, as opposed to the last 50 years. (laughs) Understood, David. Understood. But this year, like no other, I'm predicting that we'll find a lot of cookers solely dedicated to this thin crust, high dome heat pizza cooking technique, the Neapolitan style stuff. And Cook Shack is bringing something to market that they're going to be talking about as well. So that's Stuart Powell, 935. Then we'll move into the second hour. And at 1014, we will find the winner of the Sonny's Smoking Hot Barbecue Cook-Off or Showdown or whatever it was called in Sanford, Florida this past weekend. The co-pitmaster of Cajun Blaze, Adam Gautreau, will be joining me. Or Gautreau. We're going to talk about that. He's Cajun. Cajuns have a whole new language, or their very own language. I thought I could at least understand a little bit of it because I watch Swamp People, and those people hunt alligators. And the one guy, chew them! Chew them! Oh, you got to get the underboy! You know, that stuff. The Cajun stuff. But he sent me a list of last names and how you say it. I think I got one right. It's very funny. So Adam will be joining me to recap the big one this past weekend. As time allows, we'll also get some background about him, some of the other contests that he's won, and what his 2017 season looks like. And helping me close out the show tonight, Frozen Bones will be taking place in Wisconsin this coming weekend. And the pitmaster of Tim's Full Belly Deli, and the guy running this Frozen Bones event, Tim Shop, joins me. So, hey, we're locked and loaded. 216-220-0966, Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, big news. It is official. I have finalized an agreement maybe a week or so ago. We had everything put in place here over the last handful of days. For me to formally announce, we wanted to do it last month. We really couldn't do there because the I's and T's weren't dotted and crossed. But we are there now, and I am officially announcing and bringing aboard Smithfield as a sponsor of the show. 
And you'll be hearing some of their bumpers dispersed throughout the rest of the show. And they are also sponsoring the hotline. And you're going to see this from now on in between calls. Daha! And you'll hear this. All guests on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield hotline. Yummy. Nice. I love Fiverr.com, and I'm just going to keep it at that. So you'll hear the nifty sounder cut by David Lee, which I had made for them. Also, I do want to take a minute to thank uh, Sterling Ball for making an intro between us, me and myself and Smithfield. Uh, Emily uh, enjoyed being on the show last month as we talked about kind of the emergence of Smithfield into the whole competition barbecue segment. And there's obviously some mutual beneficial stuff that we can do for each other. So we did the deal, and I am happy once again to announce that Smithfield is it. Yeah. You do not have to call me Smitty, John. Absolutely not. However, my brother is a butt. There's no denying it. You know my brother. You know he's a butt. Both brothers. Lots of people over the course of the week emailing me saying they thought that the back and forth between one Meathead Goldwyn and Tim Shop of Tim's Full Belly Deli, who we're having on in the second hour, was absolute radio and video gold let me tell you something the internet is great and never has the written word been more misunderstood the internet hides sorry the internet behind words never fully realized sarcasm out the window remember folks be very careful about what you write because you never know how other people are going to take it if someone is having a bad day and they have reread your post or comment as snarky, get the popcorn out, folks, because it's going to devolve quickly. And someone's mom is going to get tossed into the mix as well. You know what I'm talking about. You know it. Someone's mom definitely getting tossed into the mix. Greg, hello? Greg, this is your mother calling, and I want to warn all of your centralites. This is what they call him, right? Who are you, who are you talking to? What's a centralite? Yeah, I'm talking to Greg. He, those are his fans. <laughs> those are his fans. Yeah, centralites. You know, like the light in the center. Centralites. Yeah, that's it. That's what you call them. Okay. I'm going to go make a martini. Yes, you go ahead and make your martini, dear. Okay. I'm telling these people right now, don't take me to task in the chat rooms or on the Snapchat or anything, because I do not write mean words. I'm all action. Yeah, that's right. Trust me, son. She's all action. <laughs> go drink your martini, you pervert. I'm not going to stand for this. Now... That's fair warning to you, Centralites. Leave the mother of the host out of this and just do it amongst yourselves. Thank you. All right, there's my mom calling in unannounced once again. Well, I guess she's not going to be thrown into the mix of the Internet unsolicited. But a lot of people loved it. And, you know, I think... 
where tongue in cheek is and how it's perceived, boy, it can it can get really bad really quick. There's no doubt about it. All right. Here we go. We got Stephen Reichland coming up out of the break. Cook Shack manufactures smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of experience, whether you're the barbecue guy in the backyard, you're on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job. And with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoking, grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website, cookshack.com, or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice or share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion, Ed Fast Eddie Moran. The FEC 100 and PG 1000 are always customer favorites. The PG 1000 can double as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow or hot and fast. The pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack residential electric smokers, which we will be talking about here in about 40 minutes, gives you undeniable quality in the industry. The highest, by the way. Anything you can cook in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. 1962, wow. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or again, visit their website, cookshack.com. That's C-O-O-K-S-H-A-C-K.com. And again, Stuart Powell will be on here segment after next, talking about the electric smoker and the new pizza oven. Pizza oven. All right, we're back with Stephen Reichlin right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. You love to barbecue, you love to compete, and you love to win. So do all three with help from Smithfield. Since 1938, Smithfield has been producing high-quality fresh pork products. They now invite you to get smoking with Smithfield. Are you an organizer of a nonprofit, community, or sanctioned barbecue event? Apply for the new grant program that helps support competitions across the U.S. with resources and prize money. But that's not all. If you compete, you can join the Cooks program. Members who commit to cooking with premium 
hand-trimmed Smithfield fresh pork will receive swag and other great prizes. Check out smokinwithsmithfield.com for more information. That's Smokin' with Smithfield. Yeah, welcome aboard. All right, my first guest on this show can be seen every third Tuesday. He is a 2015 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee, a TV show host, a barbecue cooking class instructor, dare I say multiple-time author, and most importantly, friend of this show. We welcome back none other than the ever-experienced palate of Stephen Reich. Stephen, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Doing absolutely fabulous, Stephen, as always. Appreciate you making time for the show. And I wanted to ask you this right off the bat. You know, I know you're kind of, uh, let's say, dual home-based. You have Martha's Vineyard, and then you also get down to Miami. Do you have a set point when you decide enough is enough of the Northeast and we're going to beat it before the weather hits, or do you like to get a little cold before you go south, or do you mix time in between? What do you do? Uh, Well, you know, our favorite time of year there is up north is September and October. Uh, we usually come down uh, the day before Halloween, uh, and we usually head up uh, in early May. But we do get up during the winter sometimes. It's absolutely uh, beautiful. And when you're down here in Florida, sometimes a snowstorm is like a vacation all itself. I can only imagine uh, Stephen Reichland joining me here on the show. BarbecueBible.com, his website, of course, ProjectSmoke.org as well for the TV show. Stephen, I, I don't want to spend a, an incredible amount of time on this particular subject. Uh, we did cover it a little bit last week with another guest, but wanted to get your take on it as well. We are, I mean, it's been crazy weather up here in Cleveland. It's been bitter cold today, 55 degrees, but that's what you get with the lake. But it is more colder than warmer up here uh, by and large. So, you know, a couple brief cold weather grilling slash barbecue tips that you think people need to know, especially if they're just kind of getting into it this year. Well, I think the most important thing um, is to remember that fire is still hot, even if it's freezing outside. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't do a lot of winter grilling because I'm in Miami in the winter, but I do remember a memorable class I taught in uh, Edmonton, uh, Canada uh, one year, and it snowed six inches uh, during the course of my class. And (laughs) you're thinking so cold. You're so bundled up, you sort of forget that a grill, when you touch a grill lid, it's hot. I mean, the other thing is if you're working with charcoal, you got to figure about 25 to 35% longer cooking time uh, when it's cold out than uh, when you're cooking at a normal temperature. Stephen, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you about tonight is recipes, research, and then, you know, making something after you've messed around with it, to something that's going to actually make it to the book. And I find myself very envious. I'm very good at following directions. I'm not handy by any stretch of the imagination, but when it comes to the kitchen or the barbecue, I'm very good at following directions and uh, learning from mistakes and all this other stuff. But when I get into the grocery store, I just don't see it the way you and a lot of these other food bloggers see it. You see one ingredient, you see the next one, or or all of a sudden you've become inspired. So Talk to me a little bit about how you devise recipes or what inspires you and how it goes from your mind to the kitchen and then into the writing book. Well, well, that's a very complex uh, question, um, and it depends on the book I'm writing. A book like Planet Barbecue or BBQ USA, those are very much repertorial research books. You know, I travel, I eat, uh, and I report on what I see. 
book like Project Smoke or uh, the new sauce book I'm working on, uh, many of those ideas are much more sort of what I think of. Uh, and the process often begins at the market. I'm one of those guys that I, I do not go to the store with a shopping list. I go and I look at what looks good or fresh. Uh, I buy my seafood off a boat down in uh, uh, on Key Biscayne. Uh, and I build a meal around the ingredients that I get. It might be a trip to the farmer's market. And the recipes emerge that way. Um, I think recipes a lot. I think, think new dishes a lot. Uh, I sort of compose it in my computer. I imagine stuff and then I go try it. Um, I think maybe very much the way musicians sometimes will sit down and compose and the, you know, they'll think music, write it down and then play it. So it's a very, very process for me. You'd mentioned that you're doing a, a sauce book and I don't, is 2000 sauces the right number or is it 200 sauces? Well, it's 200 sauces. And okay. actually, some of you may remember my barbecue Bible sauce rub and marinade book, which came out, believe it or not, in the year 2000. Uh, this is an update of that book. Uh, there are 50 new, brand new, never before published recipes uh, in the new book. Many of the old uh, recipes in the original book have been updated or changed. Uh, you know, um, food, uh, food like fashion has its rising and falling hemlines. And there are some dishes that uh, 20 years ago, you know, made sense and now don't seem to make sense. Are the new recipes in there the ones that maybe saw the cutting room floor of a first book? Or are they just brand new that fit now because this is where the trend is and you're happen to be refreshing a book no they're really not you know i always i keep a file of the cutting room floor stuff from every book and i always vow i'm going to use it in the next book but there's a reason it wound up on the cutting room floor in the first place and if it wasn't good enough for the first book it certainly isn't for the second book um i give you an example so if you look at the current blog that we posted today on barbecuebible.com it's uh Monroe County pork steaks. Now, what sounds unusual about this? Uh, well, several things. I mean, first of all, the pork steak is associated with St. Louis. Uh, Monroe County's in Kentucky. And Kentucky, you think of Kentucky barbecue as slow smoke, be it mutton, uh, as you'd find around Owensboro or uh, pork in other parts of the state. But in this one little tiny town, uh, barbecue means pork steaks, pork shoulder cut into steaks, grilled, not smoked, over a super hot fire, and then dipped in this incendiary dip made with hot peppers and melted butter. Uh, the recipe in the blog comes from Rob Boss, and many of you will recognize him as the smoke wrangler, the fire wrangler on the Project Smoke TV show. Uh, also blogs for us a lot, and his Instagram photos are great. So uh, that recipe is in the new book. Uh, first of all, because that dipping sauce is really unusual. It's incendiary. It's absolutely spectacular for any imaginable grilled food. And then it gave me an excuse to put these pork steaks in, uh, which are, you know, um, I mean, that should be your next meal tomorrow. When you say incendiary, I have a guy that is like my official sauce and rub reviewer, and he comes on once a month. But his main line of expertise is uh, he's a well-documented and respected chili head in the world of fiery foods. So, you know, when he says incendiary, uh, he's talking about this whole different level of super hotness, I guess, that normal humans might not. So what, did, what is your 
level of incendiary, or what does that mean to you? Well, you know, um, I'm pretty comfortable with everything up to a scotch bonnet pepper. Once you get me in the scorpion pepper or uh, 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 ghost pepper arena, you know, that to me is more about pain than uh, about flavor. Um, yeah, I'll eat them. Yeah, I have eaten them, but uh, that's that's a little bit too over the top for me. Um, when we talk about books, because it seems like you always might have two or three going in your head in various forms of completion, uh, are you starting on anything new? Well, I am, as a matter of fact. So um, uh, many of you may remember my book, How to Grill, which was is my best-selling book, uh, to date and has been translated into 17 languages and, you know, coming up on 2 million copies in print. Um, But uh, I've been looking at it the last few years and frankly, it looks dated. The photos look dated. Uh, Some of the recipes that I did 20 years ago, I would not make today. Many of the recipes that I really uh, love today are not in the book. So we are about to undertake a complete update of that book, and it will not be a revision. It will be a brand new book with 100 brand new recipes, wow. incorporating a lot of techniques that you know nobody did 20 years ago. What are some of your most favorite techniques that you're going to be talking about in the book, just for a little you know, sneak peek, if you will? Well, you know, um, I mean, everybody knows my caveman T-bone that you, uh, you grill directly on the embers. Mm-hmm. But you can, in fact, caveman an enormous variety of foods, uh, all of which are totally spectacular, like uh, corn that you leave in the husk and you just lay the corn in the husk on the embers, burn the husk off, burn the silk up, and wind up with these kernels that are crackling and dark and smoky, and they're fantastic. Or shrimp on the embers absolutely amazing sweet potatoes on the embers so that's an area i tend to uh i i I expect to really push with the new how to grill um planking you know believe it or not there was no plank fish in the original how to grill uh i do have a new twist on planking now i i like everybody else for many years wrote that you should soak the plank in water to keep it from burning then put the fish on top well no more the new way i handle planking is i actually char the plank get it smoking before I put the food on it. So you're sort of reinforcing the smoke flavor from underneath. Uh, it's just a new way of kind of, uh, of doing a time-honored technique. Uh, okay, two questions to follow up on that. Number one, the cavemanning of the shrimp. Traditionally, shrimp, very quick to cook, regardless of how you're doing it. So are these already, like, peeled and cleaned and you just pop them on the embers from there? Peeled and deveined. Wow. Uh, and the cooking time, you're right, is, you know, it's probably less than a minute per side. And you think the shrimp is too delicate for cavemanning, but you get this incredible uh, smoke flavor uh, that uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it'll blow your mind. Uh, I actually, if I, if I quite dared, and I, I would love to write a whole <laughs> book on cavemanning. I mean, it's my favorite, you know, it's, it's really one of my favorite ways to grill. You know, problem A, uh, only about 30% of Americans own charcoal grills, so that'd be limiting my readership. And I think that might be too specialized for a Reichland book, but you'll certainly find it in the all-new How to Grill. Is 30% all that's owning charcoal grills? Yeah, I think really? about 30, 30, maybe 33%. No, gas wow. grills still, you know, still, grill still rule in the United States. Now, obviously, 
you have a very self-selective audience. I have a very self-selective audience. But when you look at the big picture, yeah, it's really uh, it's really only about 30%. I had made a prediction uh, with another talk show host a couple weeks ago. Um, we were I was a little inspired by your trends of 2017, so we kind of devised our own little list. And I thought in 2017, this might be the year that the pellet cooker becomes a little bit more, a lot a bit more mainstream, where it's mentioned in the same breath as a charcoal grill and as a gas grill, do you find that that might be a, a trend that might set in as well? Well, I think absolutely pellet grills are going, um, going much more mainstream now. Uh, remember, most of them are just really sort of glorified outdoor ovens. Uh, and unless you can take that, uh, the firebox plate off and directly grill uh, over the pellet fire, what you have is not really a grill. It's you know, maybe a smoke or an oven, but it's not a grill. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com, his website, uh, of course, TV show website, projectsmoke.org. I have to ask you a question about the hay smoking, because I have a good friend of mine here in Cleveland who's pretty well-known around the restaurant world, and he specifically asked in a post about, is uh, hay smoking the same thing as straw? And, of course, I have a very limited knowledge base on anything. I can barely breathe on my own. So, I mean, can, if he has hay, can he use that and burn it? Do you have to get a special kind? What's the deal? Oh, boy. Well, oh uh, boy. first of all, I probably got more mail on that than anything else I ever did on Project Smoke because <laughs> apparently I described uh, uh, a mozzarella's hay smoked when it was really straw smoked. Uh, and the difference, let's see, uh, maybe one of your listeners can, uh, I'm trying to dig back in my mind to remember of it. So there, is a, there is a difference then. There is a difference, right. yeah. There, there's a difference in terms of the plant and a difference oh. in terms of the way it's used. Straw animals sleep on, hay animals eat. The flavor is actually quite similar uh, between the two. But in terms of what hay to use, well, you know, um, you, you want to use hay that is uh, or straw that is suitable as animal feed and not that has been treated with any chemicals. You know, if you're buying hay, uh, straw that was is for bedding, you want to make sure it's not treated with any uh, antiseptics or any materials like that. When we talk about uh, some of some of the so you have books that you're going back to now 15 years and 20 years later and refreshing them and bringing them up to date and uh, making and, and it, even and even rewriting them from scratch. Exactly. So Obviously, A, there's probably a lot of people that would love to have a career that spans that long where they can go back to those original books and give them an update. But I think that speaks to something that in the industry we call staying power or remaining relevant. And certainly there's probably a lot of people that start out like a, uh, to use a bad pun, a house of fire, and then a year or two maybe less, maybe a little bit more, fade off, and you kind of never hear from them again, and they've marginalized themselves for whatever reason. But you seem to have stayed the course and stayed in the forefront and stayed in the lexicon of this industry for 20 years, 20-plus years. So how do you, you know, I guess how do you look at how long you've been able to do this as a job, and what are the things that you can point to and say, these things helped me stay. Obviously, there's a lot of intestinal fortitude and fire in the gut to get out there and do it, right? But there's got to be other things that you have latched onto or that you haven't passed off and said, oh, I'm not going to do that. But you've remained relevant all of these years. 
Well, uh, thank you. Uh, I guess uh, you're sort of calling me the Tony Bennett of barbecue, and uh, I will take that as a uh, as a compliment. You know, I think consistently what I've done over my career is I've tried to write about topics that interest me. And I think as long as they genuinely interest me, um, uh, there's a freshness about them. And, you know, I hope they interest other people. I mean, we are in a field that is so remarkable because so many people are passionate about it. So many people are interested in it, not just in the United States, but all over the world. Uh, I've cho chosen to take sort of a, a historical approach, a kind of academic approach uh, to barbecue. But there's also a very strong hands-on element. I mean, you know, when I think about my TV shows, it's I guess if I were to sum it up in a single word, word it's education. I try. I consider myself an educator. Educator. I try and teach. And as long as I'm still learning something new, I feel like I can still teach something new to uh, to my followers. Uh, this year coming up, do you have uh, barbecue university classes that are uh, available for enrollment? Are you still setting dates at this point? I know we're obviously very early in the year yet. Well, uh, actually, we do. We are running Barbecue University this year, as we always do. I'm uh, sorry to say that we have been sold out since uh, Christmas. I mean, I'm not sorry. I'm actually thrilled and pleased that we're sure. sold out. But uh, it, for anybody that wants to sign up, you would now be looking at the 2018 session. And we did just set dates for that. Um, uh, you know, I, I just I pinch myself every day. I think about how lucky I am to be doing this. Stephen Reichlin joining me here on the show, barbecuebible.com. You know, I got to ask you, because it, it has become my penchant for 2017, and I didn't even realize that it was tongue-in-cheek before, and I've mentioned it to you in the past, uh, and it's the 2017 horse meat movement, and it's completely banned, and you can't get it, and it's illegal, and I get all that. But is there, is there a place in the America for horse meat, holding all the other illegality aside? Um, you know, I think it's going to be kind of peripheral uh, in the United States. Um, legalities aside, I mean, I just, uh, I've eaten horse meat. It's a little bit sweeter than, uh, you know, than, than beef, but I can't say the flavor is so superior that I would go out of my way to eat it instead of beef. Uh, I guess there's also, you know, we are all tainted by cultural associations and, um, you know, uh, the thought of eating Flicka is, uh, you know, it's not, not something I would go out of my way to do. Now, in Europe, on the other hand, in uh, Scandinavia, I mean, it's a very big deal. People love horse meat, and I chalk some of that up to just cultural preferences. I bet $5 that you would still probably like to get a side of horse meat caveman-style grilling just to say you did it, though, right? Oh, but listen, I mean, I, my last trip to Sweden, I ate horse meat because that's what people were eating. Um, uh, you know, would I trade it for a nice uh, slice of Wagyu uh, beef or uh, uh, Kobe or uh, Saga beef in Japan? Absolutely not. But, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm glad the traditions are uh, being preserved. Actually, you know, if you, if you, I'll tell you what my sort of touchstone moment for horse meat. There's a very famous no novel uh, by a guy named Patrick Rambeau, and it's called uh, It Was Snowing. It's named after a Victor Hugo poem. And it sort of describes the complicated and sinister relationship between horses and men 
as Napoleon's army invaded Moscow and then fled on this horrendous retreat back from Moscow. Uh, and uh, once you read that, it's sort of hard to eat horse meat. Understood. Stephen Reichlin is found here the third Tuesday of each and every month. Stephen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. And hey, to everybody listening, you know, big, big round of applause for Greg. He, uh, he runs a terrific radio show, and it's always a pleasure for me to be on it. Hope you enjoy listening to it. Thanks so much, Stephen. There he is, Stephen Reichlin. Oh, by the way. All guests on the Barbecue Central show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. That's right. I run a, wait, uh-oh, did I just, yeah, okay, I did that right. Uh, I run a great show, in case you didn't know that. You, I saw people in the instant chat tell you, horse meat's coming, horse meat's coming. There's no poems in barbecue. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the pit barrel cooker. Gang, pulling the trigger on a new cooker can be nerve-wracking sometimes. Temperature control, fire management, what woods to buy. Who needs the hassle? May I strongly suggest the pit barrel cooker. The pit barrel makes cooking simple and fun, and it just might be the most unique, versatile, and easy-to-use cooker available on the market today. Imagine a single cooker that can turn out great traditional barbecue meats while also being able to ramp up in temperature to do those burgers, chicken wings, and hot dogs. Versatility is all thanks to the revolutionary design that goes beyond traditional convection, their hook-and-hang method. Places the food in the center of the heat so it's acting like a stationary rotisserie. The result, great-tasting, perfectly cooked meat each and every time. Not only is the pit barrel a fabulous cooking vessel, it's aesthetically sexy as well. It's not only built to withstand heat, but thanks to its porcelain enamel finish, the pit barrel able to stand up to any type of weather. Extremely portable, it fits in the back of most vans, trucks, and SUVs. And of course, you know we love accessories, and the PBC doesn't disappoint here either. The rubs, the unique removable ash pan, the pit grips, turkey hangers, charcoal chimney, the cool coffee mugs, the insanely cool koozies for your drinks. A full line of accessories really complete your pit barrel cooking experience. And now for the best part. For $299, the pit barrel comes fully assembled and it's ready to cook on. And it ships free right to your door. Not only does the cooker ship free, but with so few returns, everything they sell ships for free to the lower 48 continental states each and every day. No promos or coupon codes needed. Don't take my word for it. AmazingRibs.com sings the praises year after year. Three years in a row, by the way, giving it their gold rating. That's the highest award rating division they have. Head on over to PitBarrelCooker.com and see what everybody's talking about. And be sure to check out their full collection of short how-to videos. Pick up one or two for yourself. It's only 600 bucks for two cookers? That holds a ton of meat. 502-228-1222 is a number to call if you want to talk to somebody, and they will talk to you. 502-228-1222. Stuart Powell coming up. Stick around. Ready to get on the air? Call 216-220-0966. Now, let's get back to the LeBron James of Barbecue Talk, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back to this portion of the show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. If you're looking for something to give you 
huge space to cook, they got one. Medium space, yeah. Tailgate size space, yes. And pellets to fire those cookers as well. Check them out at GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. I love my Green Mountain Grill. You could love yours as well. By the way, thanks to uh, Todd for realizing I was riding that fader for the Stephen Reichland interview. My next guest has been a longtime sponsor of this show and makes one of the best cookers out there on the market today. And we're going to be talking about electric smokers as well as a new item that they're going to be bringing to market here shortly. Let's race over to the hotline and welcome back friend of the show, Stuart Powell from Cook Shack. Stuart, how are you, buddy? Hi, Greg. Doing great. How are you? Absolutely fabulous, Stuart. Appreciate you making time for the show tonight. And a couple different places that we can start. And I guess, you know, aside from being the CEO and president of Cook Shack, you are a competitive barbecue cook when you can get out there and hit the circuit. So what does your upcoming 2017 season look like? Well, 2017, I hope to get out a little bit more. Uh, Had kind of a slow year last year. What happens when you have a new grandchild? So, oh, um, congratulations! Yeah, yeah, we're looking at um, probably a couple contests. We won't get started till in March. Um, one contest in March, couple in April. Um, hopefully, by the time the American Royal runs around, we've had ten to twelve contests in this year. Stuart, are you surprised as you look around and you've seen the evolution of b- competition barbecue style cookers? How relevant that the FE 100 has remained in the competition circuit and the success it continues to have? You know, in, in some ways it surprised me because that's a kind of a fickle world. But um, when you look at just the, I mean, that piece of equipment fits that world so well that, um, you know, it, I, it doesn't really surprise me that it's kept its, you know, where it's at. Stuart, in regards to, I'm going to ask you to go high level here on KCBS. As an organization right now, uh, you know, things seem to be going well. They have a new board that's just been voted in. I think three new members got mm-hmm. voted in. Are there things within the organization that you would like to see tweaked as a cook or that if they change, you think it would make it a little bit better? We don't want to obviously throw darts just for throwing darts, but, you know, I mean, you hear a lot of stuff, so I just wonder what your take is. Sure. You know, the, the only thing that I see to me that would really improve KCBS, and I, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how you do this by any means, but they don't have a good system for bringing in cooks that only want to cook five contests a year or three contests a year. Um, and so if they could come up with a system to get those people so that they felt like that when they walked into a contest, they had a chance to win. Um, I think would really help that organization grow. Otherwise, I think they're I think they're almost getting to a point where they're starting to get stagnant. Do you feel that like the new competitors almost have to quote unquote keep up with the Joneses Joneses and start out with big trailers and ten thousand dollar pits and have all this gear in order to have a fighter's chance at at winning or doing well even in a meat category? Oh, absolutely, and and I hear it from the you know, from newbies all the time. Cause we'll, you know, we'll sell them a pit and, you know, they're just, you know, they're hoping that they don't finish dead last, you know, kind of thing. And they know that, you know, there's this top tier of cooks that, you know, if you look at the top 50 KCBS cooks last year, how many of them 
have, you know, are guys that have cooked for 10 years, you know? So they realize when they walk into a contest, it's, it's tough to get in, you know, to get a call these days. Stuart Pyle joining me here on the show, president and CEO of Cook Shack, the website cookshack.com, of course. Uh, from a high level, Stuart, how was the 2016 business year for Cook Shack as a corporation? And I guess what are you looking for goal-wise in 2017? You know, 2016, I would have to say, was a, was a tough year. Um, we did manage to um, beat 2015, so you, you're always happy about that. But it seemed like it was just a struggle all year long. Um, 2017, we're looking to be a real positive year. We got a lot of stuff on the books. Um, you know, we're now the, um, the cooker of choice of Dickie's barbecue, which is the largest barbecue chain in the U S and it's got, you know, a bunch of stores on the books for, for the new year. So, um, so we're, we're looking for a real positive year this year. When we talk about electric cookers and I mean, if anybody has any type of knowledge of this industry, Cook Shack is right at the top of the list as far as electric cookers. And I think not with the Cook Shack stuff, but there's a lot of stuff in big box stores that's electric that mm-hmm. kind of adds to this weird kind of bad stigma to electric cookers if that's all you're used to. So talk to me about where the Cook Shack difference is and what you think from a, from a niche or from a market segment the electric smoker really fits in. Mm-hmm. Well, the the neat thing about the electric smoker is that it's just simple to use. And so for the guy that's in his backyard that just wants to make great barbecue without, you know, without, uh, you know, spending hours and hours, you know, running a pit, you know, he can throw a brisket in there and or she can throw a brisket in there and run off to work and come back and it's done and, and you've got a great product. And so that's where the electric smoker really fits in, that backyard cook that, you know, wants to wants good barbecue, but you know doesn't have the time um, to do those things. Um, and so, you know, where we fit into that world is is that we produce the quality products. So, you know, you can walk into the big box stores and you can buy electric smokers all day long. Um, and if you get if you use them and you get a couple of seasons out of them, you've done really well. <laughs> um, you know, our our smokers. Number one, you, you know, we'll, they'll probably outlive all of us. So, you know, we know that it's going to be a quality product that's going to stick around. And then the other thing that we do, we've just built smarts into our smokers. So one of the problems with electric smokers is they typically have a lot of temperature fluctuation in them. And so we build our controllers so we take that out of there. And so it really gives you a much more consistent temperature. And, you know, if you've been around the barbecue world at all, you know that consistency is everything. So that's um, you know that's really where we we fit into that marketplace at. Do you, from a temperature control standpoint, are you able to set like a two hundred degree or two twenty five, or is it like a low, medium, high, or how does the temperature portion of that work in the electric models? Yeah, you know, in the electric models, we we allow you to go from one hundred and forty degrees to three hundred in one degree increments. So you can set it wow. anywhere you want it at. And we'll hold that temperature. So that's the, that's the key to it because, you know, and what we find in that electric smoker world is we get a lot of hunters that want to be able to do sausage and do jerky and Mm -hmm. some of those things that we don't really think of as traditional barbecue things. And if you're doing sausage, you want to be able to cook down at that 140 degrees and get that, 
you know, that casing tacky before you hit it with smoke. And the electric smoker really allows you to do that without, you know, really having to be there and, you know, just babysit it. From a wood smoke standpoint, you know, some of those other uh, cheaper models uh, at the big box stores, as we were talking mm-hmm. about, there's, it's really hard to generate any type of a wood smoke with those without making some type of weird MacGyver <laughs> contraption. What about yes. the, what about the yep. Cook Shack models? You know, it's what I always tell people. I always get a kick out of it because occasionally you'll get somebody in a pellet cooker that says, I just want more smoke. And I'm like, well, you need an electric smoker then because our electric smokers, <laughs> I can give you as much smoke as you want. Matter of fact, I can give you more smoke than you want. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories when I started at Cook Shack in 1991, um, one of the, the siblings that owned it said to me, take a smoke at home with you and, um, and try it out. So I took one home and I, you know, the instruction said, put one chunk of wood in it. So I figured if one was good, four would be better (laughs) and, um, and cooked a brisket that my dog wouldn't eat. So, (laughs) so you can get all the smoke flavor you want out of our electric smokers, which is, you know, one of the nice things about them. The other thing that you had just mentioned a couple minutes ago was the versatility that these type of smokers have, obviously with the lower temperatures, but there are accessories that you can get. Uh, for instance, there's those jerky rods. If you take the uh, the, mm-hmm. uh, the shelves out, you can put the jerky rods in, and you can hang a substantial amount of uh, potential beef jerky. My dad has a, has had a smokehead right. probably for, I don't yes. know, 13 or 14 years, I guess. And he makes jerky, and it's some of the best-tasting jerky that I've ever had. And I can't really do that on a lot of the cookers that I have. So having that flexibility kind of adds to that value of the cook shack electric style right yeah and i mean you know not just jerky but i mean you can hang sausage in there um you know I've, I've done bacon that i've put you know clips on um so it really gives you that variety of things put seafood racks in there and put you know scallops shrimp in there um so it really does it gives you a ton of versatility i tell you one of the other ver- really versatile things that i love to be able to do um, is that it allows you to use flavors that maybe you wouldn't be able to use in a stick burner or some of the other things where I'll put garlic in the wood box or cinnamon or thyme and some of those kind of things. And it really um, allows you to get a different flavor than just straight up hickory wood or, you know, one of those things. Stuart Powell joining me here on the show. Uh, Stuart, one of the other new things that you're bringing to market, and, and I had, was just talking to Stephen Reichland about this, I'm seeing a big trend towards uh, pizza ovens, either for residential or for commercial applications. Really, come. I mean, obviously, pizza's been around forever, and everybody loves it. But you know, th- there seems to be a trend up towards these high heat, thin style pizzas, and, and you guys are ready to bring something to the market as well, right? Yes, yeah, and then actually, if you um, if you go out and do the research. Um, in that, you know, outdoor cooking world, pizza is the fastest growing segment of that industry. So definitely pizza is a hot thing. Um, we've been working on a pizza oven for a while and haven't, you know, we didn't hurry it to market by any means, but, um, and we, and we're going to hit our commercial market first. So we've, we're going to introduce first of February, a uh, commercial pellet fired pizza oven will be the first and only one on the market of that variety. Um, and we'll follow up very quickly after that with the home use version of it. Um, and they'll work, both of them will work very similar. Um, 
but they they'll cook up at that 900 degrees which is you know the magic number if you go out there and and research you know these neapolitan pizzas they want to cook those things at 900 degrees and so this thing will cook at that temperature if you want to cook that high we you know my preference is the the 700 degree temperature pizza i I just like it a little better um but it'll you know you can cook a a wood-fired pizza in three minutes at 700 degrees so you know it it jumps up there and goes and gives you all that flavor that you get out of those wood-fired pizza ovens is this have a like a hopper and an auger like a traditional kind of idea of how a pellet cooker would work but you're just able to to ramp up those temperatures yes yeah i mean it's really very similar to you know one of our our grills or an fec 100 even just you know a smaller space um you know the real key to the whole thing was figuring out how to control the fly ash because you've got so much, you got to have so many BTUs to get to those temperatures. Um, and so, you know, we spent a great deal of time and energy getting it right so that, you know, you didn't end up with a pizza that was just white on the top with fly ash. So, um, so that, you know, that's really was the key to getting it, um, to where we wanted it to be at. The, uh, commercial option is coming out here i believe it was the first of next month yes mm-hmm. and then do you have any time frame for the residential stuff because i know i'm going to get email on that over the course of the- <laughs> well our our plan is to introduce it june 1st um we may get it to market before then but june 1st is our target date all right so look for that Stuart powell is the president and ceo of cook shack the website cookshack.com Stuart, always appreciate the time and uh, most importantly the longtime sponsorship here of this show it's certainly appreciated and continued success my friend we'll talk soon all right thank you greg you got it there he is Stuart powell right here on this show talking about their new pizza oven what all guests on the barbecue central show appear via the smithfield hotline Yummy. Everybody is in for pizza. And I had a PDF picture of the Cook Shack. This would be the commercial version. But uh, I can't show PDF pictures on this uh, program, and I didn't have time to screen capture and set it up somewhere else. So I'm very excited to see that pellet cooker get up to 900 degrees. Green Mountain Grill has come out with their pizza cooker accessory that will fit over the the box, the fire box, the fire pot. Green Mountain Grill is out now. Of course, you have Kettle Pizza. They're all coming out. Here they come. The Uni 2. That's a pellet fire cooker as well. Gravity fire. Folks, let me talk to you quickly about a two-time back-to-back barbecue tool of the year award winner. The Chops Power Injector System. The number one seller is the half-gallon Chops Power Injector. This is easy to use, of course. Clean it, fill it, pump it, and away you go. If you have just one brisket or pork shoulder to do, you don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector. It's 100 bucks plus you pay the shipping. Then you have the one-gallon Chops Power Injector. This is great if you use... Or cook MBN whole hog, or maybe you're doing like 10 pork butts to get that perfect one. Uh, This one comes with the same accoutrements as the half gallon. Then you have the Chops Full Power Injector System. It's electric and is the commercial and competition big daddy. This time, not a holding tank. It is a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container from a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum. 
It was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again that with the Chops full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. It comes with metal needle adapters, 14-gauge needles, 3-inch, 12-gauge needles, 2-inch, 11.5-gauge needles, 3-plug screws, a needle protector. It's $325 plus. You pay the shipping. A number of the top pitmasters in the world use the CPI system every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. It's not just for meat. How about alcohol-infused watermelon or honeydew or very large grop fruit? Extra accessories, you want them, they got them. Want to shoot medium ground spices? They got you covered for that. Two, three, four-inch, 12-gauge needles. They have a great upgrade. You can make your chops injector bulletproof. Metal needle adapters. How about that? Here's what you do. You head on over to BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's B-A-R-B-E-Q-U-E, Barbecue Kansas City. Then, if you're in the Kansas City, Missouri area, visit Chops Barbecue Restaurant, too. That's like two for one. Get your Chops Power Injector, eat their barbecue, which they probably injected with a Chops Power Injector. It's kismet. Chops Power Injector Systems, give your barbecue some power. Boom. BarbecueKansasCity.com. Back to wrap the first hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookingPellets.com. We were just talking about pellet cookers. This is your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookingPellets.com for more information or to purchase. Also available at Amazon. And they have a real nifty free app that you can download. What other pellet manufacturer has an app? None. Just CB over at CookingPellets. CookingPellets.com. am I looking at? Somebody made a thing to my Dropbox there. So I do have breaking news on the 2017 penchant. I don't even think that's... I mean, that's the right word, but I don't think I'm, I'm not using it right. John Dawson is in the chat room. He'll tell me if I'm doing it right or wrong. I have a penchant for talking horses recently. I know that's correct, of course. That's true. It's my mission. My mission. Got a mission. I got to see this. Oh, that's going to be too big. How do I... uh, This is going to be a t-shirt. Hold on. Boom. This is going to be a t-shirt. Right here, front, and the horse cut chart, back. I would love to take credit for that. That is uh, not me. That's John Solberg. He'll also be on the show in a couple weeks' time. We're going to be talking about how to make your own lump charcoal with him. He's inspired by Horse Meat 2017. T-shirt is going to be made... And we will be giving t-shirts away. We're going to have like 10 made up. Don't worry. Don't worry, Centralites. Most of them are going to be double and triple XL. 
Don't worry. I'm not that guy that just gets extra large because I am. I'm not even extra large, but I shrink stuff, so. I will have the big sizes for you people. Don't worry. Who wants that shirt? That's going to be a shirt to win. We're going to be playing game shows to win those limited edition shirts. John, is it is it in navy blue, dark navy blue? That looks like it would fit the best for that. All right. Thanks again to Stuart Powell for joining me last segment talking about the Cookshack line of electric smokers. And really, if you are in a spot where you can't have a traditional smoker or grill, but you have some space, you can hook up with an electric one. My dad has had a smoke hat literally for 12, 13 years. How long has it been, Dad? Not on my phone. Shoot me an email. Performs. Boom. Yes, navy blue horse meat shirts. We're in. We're going to start a rally. He loves it. And I'm telling you, while he hasn't made it in like at least seven years, when he was down for making jerky, some of the best jerky ever. I'm telling you, best jerky ever. Leave me alone. I only got so long to live, I kind of make jerky for you and you dumb kids. Leave me alone. The end is near. All right. Relax. Going to refill water, and then I'm coming back for a second hour report that you are going to want to stick around for, okay? Trust me on this one. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jeff Richards, Columbus, Ohio. You're listening to Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate fifties for wiener. So listen, Liberty, it's shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. All right, just like that, we're in the second hour. I have to write a new phone number down. Tim Shop is in the middle of a huge ice storm in Wisconsin, no less. 32, no. Hey, folks, this is the Barbecue Central Show. You made it. You did it. We've done it together. It's the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. And we broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. If you want to get in touch with the show, 
But I can help you out with that. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Email Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. On the Twitter and Instagram at BBQ Central Show. I don't even have Tim Shop's cell phone. I got your home phone, Tim. Don't worry. We're good. I got it all. Don't worry about it. Still to come on the show tonight, Jason Gautreaux and Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. That's going to be fun. Steve D12 in the chat room. Can anyone explain Charbono? Yeah, of course I can explain Charbono. The guy saying Charbono, it's all about the Charbono dude, is none other than internet sensation back in the day. But now, and I'm not, I'm not exaggerating at all, business and social media mogul Gary Vaynerchuk, who's appeared on the show a number of times because we came up together. It just so happens he's making, I don't know, 15 and $20 million a year, and I'm not. He's smart. I'm not. Um, Charbono is a wine. So at some point we were talking about, this might have been one of the very first interviews that I had with Gary, and we said, I said, hey, I'm not going to talk to you about the normal BS. This is barbecue. At that point, there were some barbecue competitions and the ancillary categories that I believe were requiring people that were turning in to have a meat and then pair a wine with it. And I said, I want it to stay on the cutting edge. I want to have a wine expert. So we got Gary on because that's what he was most known for at that time. And said, what pairs well with chicken? What pairs well with brisket, pork, ribs, blah, blah, blah. Charbono was one of the ones that a lot of people thought was a good pair. I forget which what meat it was. So he was like, oh, it's all about the Charbono, Charbono, dude. But it was just funny that he said that, so I took that sound bite out. It's like John Marcus saying, I feel like a dog. I've, I'm looking like a, I'm shaking like a dog shitting peach seeds. <laughs> <laughs> Which I believe he would properly attribute to Jamie Gear saying that, if I'm not mistaken. But he said it, so that's why he made it. Of course, Dan from Wachula is in the open as well. A number of different people, if you listen. Huck's Hut, uh, Huck Sr. Does anyone remember Huck's uh, In the Hut with Huck Jr. and Huck Sr.? Remember that podcast? That's not there anymore either. That's gone. I know John Dawson remembers that one. Anybody remember In the Hut? Anybody remember that? Here we go. For your consumption. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. That's right, folks. Greg Rempe reporting here from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio. On a follow-up story that I did on horse meat. Uh I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Coming this follow-up report, I told Meathead, Last week that, you know, as for as much as I was just kind of making it a joke, the more and more I thought about it, I'm like, hey, how are these horses getting away with their very lives when everybody else on the farm is getting turned to the culling mill? That's hardly fair. Then I don't care what Stephen Reichland says about Napoleon Bonaparte. Wow. Are you? Hold on a second. Napoleon, French guy, right? The French were retreating? That never happened. 
I don't care what he says about reading books, because as everybody knows, and my mom would know, I will never read a book. I totally forgot what the hell I was going to say. Damn it. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. You're not going to change my mind. And it's not fair for the horse to remain and for everybody else on the farm to get processed and eat. Horses got to step up and get to the culling mill. Let's go. Right? That's so... That's what I said. The more and more I thought about it, I'm like, hey, I'm down for that. Why isn't this a thing? How can this not be a thing? So I told Meathead, I'm going to do my own investigative journalism and file a report. And so here is said report. Well, breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, This is coming. uh, So I wrote uh, an email and I said, hey, FSIS, which is the... Food Safety Inspection Service. I'm sorry, Food Safety and Inspection Service, right, uh, for uh, USDA. And I talked to a uh, who shall remain nameless because rule number one of the show, no names please. They're on the record statement from FSIS. This to me, answering my questions about horse meat processing. Reads as follows. This is their on-the-record statement. If you want to use this on your blog or radio show or whatever, I'm going to monitor this. And if I hear you take it, if you don't ask me for permission first, I am going to sue your ass. I will sue your ass. It will not be nice for you. Here is their on-the-record statement. The 2016 Consolidated Appropriations Act bars the Food Safety and Inspection Service, better known as FSIS, from spending funds to perform anti-mortem. That means death, anti-mortem inspections of horses intended for human consumption. Under this funding ban, FSIS is not permitted to operate a fee-for-service program for the inspection of horses for humane consumption. Thus, FSIS is barred from inspecting and having regulatory supervision of equines intended to be slaughtered for human consumption. Without the anti-mortem inspection, horse meat is not eligible for the FSIS mark of inspection. If there is no mark of inspection, then horse meat is not allowed to move in our national commerce. Not allowed! Here's a little background for you people, because I did further digging. The agency does not have statutory authority over the domestic or international transportation of live animals until a vehicle enters or is in line to enter the official establishment's premises. Also, there is currently no regulation which would prevent the private or corporate sale of U.S. horses to another country for slaughter. Not only is it not permitted, that is currently happening in Canada and Mexico. The prohibition on the use of federal funds to pay for for salaries and expenses of personal... I'm sorry, let me restart again. The prohibition 
on the use of federal funds to pay the salaries and expenses of personnel to perform anti-mortem inspection of equines intended for slaughter for human consumption continued from 2007 to 2011 and was reinstated in 2014. The prohibition is still in effect. There was actually another email from No Names Please, because I did write a follow-up email and got an answer. I'll stand by for this. Here it is. Uh, I wrote back, is there something that is brought up to vote on, is this something that's brought up to vote on regularly? In other words, would constituents have to bring it up to their rep first, and then Congress would have to vote on whether the funds for the inspection would be appropriated or not? She wrote back, or he wrote back. Your first quarter, your first question is best directed to your congressional representative. Also, the inspection ban has been in effect since fiscal year. 2006 that's 11 years so what what can we surmise from this well there seems to be no rush i told you there's no rush on us eating horses anytime soon so that's my piece of investigative journalism for you on this week's show you're welcome Adam Gatro coming up out of the break, but I'm going to talk to you about Big Papa Smokers. It's the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of all American-made grills, spices, sauces, accessories, and even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smokers has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. Their rubs have all have won almost every major barbecue competition, period. They've also banded together with fellow California-based rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market on competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two unique competitions, King of the Smoker and the Guinea Pig. The guinea pig is unique in the fact that it's a cost-controlled event that helps bring down or bring in newcomers to competitive barbecue. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the barbecue world. On top of all that, Big Papa's has created a unique brand ambassador program called the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country working together to promote camaraderie, competition, barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind, Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of this with only four years of being in business, turning the competition barbecue world on its head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. By the way, that nationwide restaurant chain is BJ's Restaurant and Brew House. You ever heard of it? Very fast growing, very good food. It's my kids' favorite eat-out restaurant right now when we decide we want to go out. BigPapaSmokers.com is the website. And we are back with Justin Gatro. I'm Justin. Adam Gatro right after this from Cajun Blaze. Stick around, we'll be right back.
Rioli Show, giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue, a man actually named Meathead, the author of a barbecue Bible, bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Hey, welcome back. This portion of the show is being brought to you by Smithfield again. The biggest name in pork is bringing you great opportunities this barbecue season. Get smoking with Smithfield and their grant program and committed cooks program. Learn more at smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's smokingwithsmithfield.com. All right, my first guest in the second hour, fresh off a trip to Sanford, Florida, where he participated in and won the second annual Sonny's Barbecue Showdown. Here to recap the weekend and talk about some other barbecue topics, as well as the co-pitmaster of Cajun Blaze Barbecue. And first timer here to this show, let's welcome in Adam Gatro. Adam, how are you, buddy? Doing good. So thank you for making time for the show tonight and uh, looking forward to the conversation here. First, congratulations on the big win this past weekend, and let's go ahead and jump right into taking a quick look back. Uh, I guess, you know, from a high level, Adam, I mean, certainly a well-experienced competition cook. We'll get into the background here in just a second, but uh, how did you find the cook to go for you? Was there any unforeseen items, incidents, or situations that came up that you had to handle that you weren't kind of uh, accounting for that might have thrown you off the game? No, actually, everything went well. Are you worried when things go well that uh, you you keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, or is that more of the norm than the uh, exception for you guys? Uh, we pretty much got it down to hopefully nothing goes wrong, you know. Whenever uh, everything's going right, though, you keep thinking a whole lot. Like, oh, am I supposed to be doing something now? Or uh, so uneventful cook, which is good. In regards to turn-ins, and I was kind of watching those uh, streaming awards, and I think they kind of called in, in a weird order, but I'm going to just kind of go from traditional call-outs. Uh, chicken, fourth place overall. Uh, was that the last category that they ended up calling, by the way? Well, how they did it, it's a random draw. So all we knew before we went to the contest that the turn-in times were 10, 11, 12, and 1. At the cook's meeting, Darren Worth actually drew the order, and it was drawn brisket, chicken, ribs, and pork. Hmm. Does that make any difference to you whatsoever, or you could care less? That was fine for me. I know it's probably affected the guys with stick burners who had to get up extra early, but we cook on cabinet smokers, so we put just put the brisket on and went to bed, actually. All right, so uh, I can flip that around. I'm smart enough to figure it out here. Brisket is called first. Uh, you guys make 12th overall, which uh, very good showing out of 50, 51 teams or whatever it was. Um, and they were calling, they, were they bringing 15 people to the stage and then calling 15 to 1 from there? How they did it was they called 2nd through 15th in alphabetical order to the back of the stage. And then they called 15th through 2nd and left the first place in each category sitting in the crowd. So after they called out the second-place winner, then they announced first place in the category. Uh, you know, from a, from a high level, that's typically not how awards are done. Is that a nice change of pace for you? Does that add extra time that you'd rather? Look, I mean, I've talked to hundreds of pit masters here week after week after week, and it seems, by and large, the majority of guys 
want a decent award ceremony, but they want it kind of rapid pace so they can just get the F home because it's been a long weekend. Where do you fall in on the awards ceremonies? I absolutely love the way they did it. Really? Yes. You got called up second through 15, so you knew you made the top 15, but you still didn't know where you stood. And some fella in the crowd had first place, you know? So 12th overall brisket, uh, again, certainly a, a great finish. How did you guys feel about the brisket turning itself? Mm, I wasn't quite happy with the texture, but uh, Jason, the guy I took with, he, he, thought, he thought it was pretty good. Are you guys the uh, Wagyu users as well? Is that pretty much the, the standard of the day anymore? Well, we just started that probably about 10 contests ago, I guess. Really? Yeah. We held our own with prime briskets for a long time. What do you find from, a, I don't mean to diverge here off the results. We'll get back to that here in a second. What do you find the biggest differences between a, a Wagyu and a prime? They're more forgiving, I guess. The actual first time we ever used one. I got woke up at 4.30 in the morning to smell of brisket. My smoker was running 4.50. The water pan ran out. <laughs> and all that fat in there, it, it handled it. You know what I mean? If it had been a prime, we'd have been in a bind. Adam Gattro joining me here on the show. Uh, so the next category that they call is chicken. And you get fourth overall. So second call to the stage. Uh, not winning this one either. But you know now much higher than the 12th place brisket. So, I mean, you got to be... Kind of feel like you have some momentum going. How did you feel about the chicken turnip? We actually did not taste it. Is that? We did not taste it. I, it seems to, I mean, I, I'm a microcosm of competition barbecue, of course, Adam, but it seems the wide majority of cooks, especially when it comes to chicken, don't taste it. They cook it. It seems to be, this is our program. We know what it's going to be. This is how it's going to be every time. And there's, it does to me, it doesn't seem like there's anything that they feel is going to affect how it's going to turn out, whether it be from one week to the next. Uh, from what you're saying, that's not typically your traditional method, then? Most of the time, I do eat the chicken and the brisket and the ribs just to check for texture. Uh, but this particular contest, we did not taste the chicken, and we did not taste the final product of the pork on oh. this one. From a flavor profile standpoint uh, with the chicken do you use like a you know a commercially available or popular rub right now or do you guys kind of keep it in the house and do something homemade we do like a homemade brine that we do and uh, we use some commercial rubs so fourth place chicken call and then we get to ribs and you finish eighth overall there so now you got three walks to the stage uh, two in the top ten, one just outside of there. Uh, were ribs pretty good for you guys? You think uh, eighth place? Yeah, high, they were good. Low? They were good that day. Yeah, well, I mean, will you take a, what? Like, what would be a bad call? Like, not walking the stage? Like, where does where does a good day in a category start with you guys? Well, in that crowd, <laughs> one call made us happy because we were cooking our first FBA. We've never cooked in Florida, Ooh. so with with the crowd that was there. We was pretty pumped, definitely, when we got, you know, the second trip to the stage with chicken and the, the ribs were the icing on the cake and didn't even know that the pork call was coming, you know. So that leads us to the pork call and the way you have told us how awards were set up. 
you're not called up to the stage. Uh, after three calls, you're probably not assuming you're going to be up there. You're probably feeling pretty good. So when you're left out of the call, where does your pitmaster and your partner's pitmaster mind go to? We shit the bed in pork or we're going to get called for first in pork? <laughs> At first, you, you think you shit the bed. But then we kept noticing that, you know, the, the 15, 14 people that were up there was like, and they made quite a few trips up there. They like that style of food. We've been up there three times. Maybe that first place pork could be us. So getting the first place call, obviously, you know, winning the, uh, the category is great, especially amongst the teams. So as you guys are going through the call process for overall, are you able to kind of keep track of everybody else's calls that award? So when you get that first in pork, do you have any idea where you're kind of fitting into that grand championship overall at this point? Yeah, I kept track. I, I believe there was four teams that had four calls. And uh, when we got the first place port call, I didn't think it was enough for Grand Champion because Wolf's Revenge actually had better calls than us. And I, I thought we were going to fall in second place. You've won contests before, Jason, you and your teammate. Uh, does this one rank above any, or are they all like children to a certain degree that you know you, you love each win individually for separate reasons? Yeah, individually for separate reasons. This one was definitely a good one, for sure. Uh, Payday-wise, I mean, this is a, a pretty decent take on Grand Championship. It was This was like a, a ten grand Grand Championship winner, right? Uh, 20. 20. Oh, jeez. Don't want to short you ten grand. So, I mean, that's a pretty big payday. <laughs> I mean, as, as far as paydays are concerned, uh, this is one of the bigger ones that a lot of guys will see during the course of the evening. 20 grand to win it is pretty big, right? I'm, I guess. <laughs> Do you win more than never that? Thought I, <laughs> never thought. No, indeed. I never thought we'd ever win that much money cooking some barbecue. Let me ask you this question. In regards to payouts, and you just kind of partially answered it there and thinking that you wouldn't ever win that much, do you think that at some point there will be some kind of a trend, you know, not this year, maybe not three or four years from now, but if competition barbecue continues to grow, do you think that there will be some type of an increase in overall purse payout and, and grand championship payout. Maybe not twenty grand every single contest, but I still see a lot of contests that are you know a ten grand total purse or a eighty five hundred dollar total purse. There's a lot of disparage uh, or a disparity in payouts, and I think that's got to be a motivating factor for you guys to some degree. You want to be able to make or recoup some of that expense that you guys are laying out each and every weekend when you go compete. What's your thought on how paydays might increase over time? Or do you think they won't? Yeah, I'm sure it, I'm sure the organizers just do what they can to make it as big as they can to draw to draw competitors. I don't know where it's going to go, but... Pitmaster of Cajun Blaze, Adam Gautreau, joining me here on the show. Am I saying the last name right, Adam? Almost. Say it it's for me, please. More like Gotro. Gotro. Okay. Easy enough. That's just my uh, Ohio trying to make it easy. <laughs> Doing it wrong, of course. All right. So um, when you get into an event like this, here's one thing that I find incredibly interesting about this second year event. This is the first time you've done an FBA competition. 
Last year, Iowa Smokey D's wins it, tries to defend this year, finishes very respectable as well. But they won it last year, first time they ever did a Florida Barbecue Association event as well. So the first two winners in successive years have never done FBA before, and you had at least two of the most dominant FBA teams in Sweet Smoke Q and Hot Wachulos probably over the last half decade uh, also there. Does that give you a little bit of extra sweetness knowing that these guys kind of own that uh, that particular sanctioning body and you're still able to, to come in and, and uh, win, if you will? Uh, anytime you can go beat Darren Worth, it's pretty uh pretty pretty tough achievement right there, you know? And then, sure, Matt and Jim dominate in the FBA. So, I mean, any win, I mean, I just kind of look at it as you're cooking – for the judges cooking against the judges. So never really matters who's there as far as, man, these guys are going to be there. These guys are going to be there. You're just cooking for judges. I always try to keep that in my head. How did you get into competition barbecue? Um, where we from is land of the land of stews and gumbos and <laughs> gravies and jambalaya. That's all we do here. So we were at a jambalaya contest, Jason and I, cooking as a team. And at the same complex, they had a barbecue contest going on, and it really caught Jason's attention. So he went walk over, check it out. And uh, at that particular contest, you could actually taste the winner's food. So he called me over there and said, man, you got to taste this brisket. So we tasted it, and he just kept going on and on for the next year. Hey, when that event comes back, we're going to get in, we're going to do that. So we did, and we didn't, we didn't get any calls, but he actually paid attention to all the guys who did get calls, followed them back to their trailer, found <laughs> out what kind of smoker they cooked on, and he bought a backwood smoker like three days later. Really? And uh, I was like, what are you, what are you doing? He goes, oh, we're about to figure this out. <laughs> you know, we know how to cook. We didn't get any calls. We're going to figure this out. What year he was just, that? Uh, 2011, probably, mm-hmm. I guess. Cause we, he had bought his smoker and I knew better than to, to ask my wife if I could buy a $2,600 <laughs> smoker and I know nothing about barbecue. So I cloned his and I built my own and, um, uh, we, we had it ready for September of 2012. And that was when we started out from a, from a regional standpoint, Adam, you know, Louisiana, is that, uh, like, what kind of barbecue can you get out there? Is there really a barbecue culture in Louisiana, per se? No, nah, not at all. There's one small restaurant around us. Um, no, not. Maybe, maybe, I think they have, like, a Frank Smokehouse around here, but nothing as far as just a, this guy only opens up for lunch, the one I'm talking about. So, no, you can't just go get some good barbecue around here. Not at all. So when you started, you know, back in 2011, uh, and you introduced your own kind of backwoods clone smoker 2012, and you look back in those days, uh, fast forward, you know, six, five, six years later here in 2017, what were you doing then that you would never do now? Is there anything, or is it pretty much? I mean, obviously things evolved to a certain extent, but is there a lot of stuff that has stayed the same over the years, or has there just been a lot of change over the years? A lot of change, a lot of practice, I guess. I mean, we didn't know what we were doing at the beginning, for sure. You know, we we actually started out 
cooking as two separate teams, we would ride together, throw the smokers in the back, pay two entry fees in <laughs> each experiment with the recipe. That was the concept? That was it. Wow. We, one of us would get a call, and then the next contest, that person would cook that recipe, and then if you know he got the call last time, my goal was to try to beat him. So we actually got Two contests worth of information in one. Mm, very smart. We competed against each other for a couple of years, probably. When did you guys uh, officially form into Cajun Blaze? <coughs> well, they had a, a local contest right by our house that we were planning on cooking. We already took the day off, and they canceled at the last minute. So he went on the internet and found a KCBS contest. It was a sl- Sam's Club local in mm-hmm. baton rouge like 30 minutes from the house and he's like hey let's just sign up for that way well, he's already off anyway and i was like uh no that's that's the professionals you know kcbs we're not going <laughs> to do that and then he talked me into it so we signed up and we didn't want to e- either one of us just use our current team names so we just kind of threw a team name together went cook because we knew we would only probably just do that one kcbs but we ended up winning that kcbs <laughs> hook line so, and sinker from there right that's it. No doubt. Uh, Adam Gotro joining me here on the show. Uh, Adam, in regards to this coming season, obviously you got one in the bag already, but what does your outlook on 2017 look like as far as number of competitions you're planning to do, at least at this point? Uh, every year we usually do 20, 22 to 25 about. You know, We both have small children and I could never be going away for 40 weekends, you know, so 20 to 25 is still a stretch, but we have very good wives. Uh, Do they stay home and tend to the kids or does everybody pack up and it's like a big family affair at events? If they're close enough, they come, but pretty much, you know, we, we have to take off work on Friday to travel. So in regards to, to KCBS, what do you, is there anything that you would suggest tweaks as the new two three board members or whatever it is start coming in what would you like to see tweaked if you could yeah i've always no matter what organization i cook in it the rules really don't matter as long as they're the same for everybody i I don't i'm i just want to go cook so whatever the rules are as long as everybody has to follow them let's roll uh where are you going to be competing at next adam this weekend we have a uh, I belong to. Uh, I'm a member of the BCA. It's a three meat company, like a three meat deal. We do yep. half chicken, ribs, and brisket, and we have our end of the year banquet. I guess you call it award ceremony for the points chase and whatnot. So we're going to have a be in Marksville, Louisiana, this weekend. Uh, Adam Gotro is the co-pitmaster of Cajun Blaze, and they won the uh, Sunny Showdown this past weekend. Adam, really appreciate the conversation tonight, man. Thanks so much for coming on. No problem. There he is. It's Adam. Gotro. Check this out. It's not working. Here we go. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. I just want to be able to say yummy like that guy. Wow. See, that's, I've always said to people like, oh, why don't you see? I would never be, I don't want to say lucky enough, 
They rolled. I mean, obviously, they. you can't show up to a Sam's Club local, win it, and think that you got lucky. No, I mean, they obviously had the cooking chops. They practiced enough. They knew. Now, maybe the luck was that whatever contest they were going to go to got canceled, and here they go. Now they're on their way, and it's not been looking back ever since. A dominant competition team. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the easiest way to step up the barbecue and grilling game. Of course, Butcher's Barbecue. You heard it here first. Known for the injections, the prime injection, the pork injection, the beef injection. You know, that prime injection uses all the things combined from what you love with their beef injection, using its award-winning flavor enhancer, its ability to keep your brisket juicy. They have combined it with what has become the competition standard in beef flavor. It's available for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com, as well as all of their other stuff. If you're looking for the go-to rubs and sauces, sit back, relax as I tell you about these. The original, let's call them the flagships, if you will. The steak and brisket rub and the honey rub, love those. Now you got the new kids on the block, the chipotle and cherry, also pecan and the triple X secret blend. Last but not least, sweet barbecue sauce. Oh, this sauce is some of the best. No liquid smoke. Dave took the time and effort to make a quality sauce. Didn't add the devil's urine, better known as liquid smoke, for flavor. Grab a box of six. It's going to go fast. And then, of course, the product, Changing a Nation. Grilling oil, three different flavors. Butter flavor, steakhouse flavor, chipotle flavor. Shelf stable, leave them right out on your counter, take them out to the grill, take them from the counter to the grill, back to the counter. You don't have to put them in the refrigerator. That way, you never forget about it. It's great. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com right now and stock up. ButcherBBQ.com. Butcher's Barbecue, always trust your butcher. Frozen Bones coming up next. Stick around. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Unknown Smoker Accessories, purveyors of made-in-the-USA stainless steel barbecue and smoker lid hinges, Barbecue accessory hangers, rocket hot chimney grillers, heavy-duty aluminum foil dispensers. These fine products from Unknown Smoker Accessories keep your gear where it needs to be. At arm's length, ready for battle. Visit unknownbbq.com slash shop today and enter promo code REMPE, R-E-M-P-E, for 15% off your entire order. In 2016, my next guest won Barbecue Ambassador Award for KCBS, and I would argue that few other folks... Do what this guy and team does to promote barbecue to not only his state, but to his surrounding states as well. He also happens to be a really great competition cook to boot. This weekend, the fourth annual Frozen Bones contest takes place in, I believe, Van Dyne, Washington, Wisconsin. Let's go ahead and head over to the hotline as I am hitting the wrong button here. Head over to the hotline. 
And welcome back, friend of the show, Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. Tim, how are you, buddy? Pretty good. How are you, Greg? Absolutely fabulous, Tim. Appreciate you making time here. Uh, let's go ahead quickly, Tim, and recap your 2016 <coughs> season. What did you think of it? How did we do? Uh, considering the start of the year, of course, with Sean passing away yeah, and uh, yeah. some changes in the team with employment, I thought we did pretty good. We ended up with uh, two grands, three, four reserve grands, won the Wisconsin State Championship. Uh, we had a good year. We had a good year. We had to skip a couple of contests, but uh, I thought we did pretty well. From a, a contest to contest goal, I mean, what makes, a, I mean, obviously winning makes successful, but. What makes a successful event with you and the team? Just turning in the best cook you can. I mean, it's the winning part, <clears throat> we're in the north. If anybody listened to the banquet awards this weekend, um, people trying to get a 700 and 180 don't move to Wisconsin, Illinois, and Michigan. <laughs> it's you not, aren't going to see much of it's, them. It's not there, is it? No. I mean, it's gotten better. Had a great season last year for it. Uh, uh, we proved that Wisconsin judging has gotten better. You know, Darren and Travis and Rod Gray, they all came up here, had 700s and 180s, and had a real good year that way. But uh, you can't always judge it on the win. Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli joining me here on the show. Uh, Tim, I wanted to talk to you tonight about the event that's coming up this weekend, obviously the Frozen Bones uh, so if you could kind of back it up for me, uh, you know, you guys are kind of well-known out there for holding these, like, one-day, one-category uh, uh, one style competitions just to get people, uh, get their feet wet, I guess, uh, if you would say that. What's uh, what's Frozen Bones all about? Well, four years ago, I had the idea in order to keep passion for barbecue alive, we throw a class called Flash Fest four years in a row in October. <coughs> And through that, it's basically backyard cooks. Um, we do the four competition meets. We get bring in some uh, some uh, chefs from the Culinary Institute, some other good cooks, and we do 50 entrees in 12 hours. Wow! Pork tenderloins, uh, seafood. Uh, last year we made uh, brown sugar bacon, tasso ham, and all of this. This year I added cooks in those categories. Mark Rasmussen from Smoking Aces and Rich Parker and Aubrey Freeman, who won World Foods with a perfect score in ribs last year. And uh, we ended up with 53 students. And we were able to get some national sponsorship with Smithfield and Snake River Farms. After that, what I did was I started with Frozen Bones, and in January, I'll never forget the first one. I was standing outside at 6 o'clock in the morning. We were setting up Nick Schmidt from Moose's Barbecue Smoker. It was 3 degrees and 13 below. And we had 13 teams. And uh, we had a continental breakfast and a nice potluck, trophies down the tent and ribbons down to the bottom. And uh, we said, you know, this was a lot of fun. We, Guy and I lost a few bucks, but we had a great time, and we had four brand-new teams there who had never cooked. And what we wanted to do was we wanted to get these guys that were really interested in it into a one-meat competition and follow a timeline because they were we, – we've noticed they're getting, as we've talked before – uh, they're getting overwhelmed by the barbecue pitmaster shows and coming to these contests and seeing the 40-foot toy trailers and porch trailers and, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> that first class, we ended up getting four teams out of there that are still competing professionally. 
So I was successful, so I decided the next month to put on a chicken contest called Choke the Chicken. We had 17 or 18 teams, did the same thing, pulled three, four teams out of there that are now competing professionally. This went on for two, three years. Last year, uh, we had uh, 22, 23 teams of each. This year, we were lucky enough, we got some calls, and uh, this year we have Smithfield as a national sponsor. They're providing the first 10 teams that uh, registered for the contest received two racks of Smithfield ribs. And they're going to have a mini contest on the side. And the winners of that contest, they're going to get two folding chairs and some Yeti tumblers and hats and, and bling. And they're also going to get uh, four racks of ribs and a, and a pork butt. And every cook and every judge that's there is going to receive some bling from Smithfield. And uh, same thing, barbecue superstore. Uh, we've got, I believe we've got 20, 30 teams and probably 29 door prizes. This year, the purse for one meets $2,000, $500 for first place, paying down a tent, trophies, ribbons, medals, the whole works. We have a continental breakfast. We have a potluck that would blow your mind. And uh, we're looking forward to next month to do Choke the Chicken. What is the weather looking like this coming weekend, Tim? Uh, 36 <laughs> and freezing rain. <laughs> Well, I mean, the 36 isn't terrible. I mean, you know, no. there's been much colder ones, as, as you've said. So, Right. Do, I, mean, I mean, people talk about Wisconsin, but, I mean, look at, look at fire and ice. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was, what, 30 below zero? Yeah, right. I mean, when you live in this, when you live in this, it's, uh, this is normal. Are I mean, you, I, mean I, I went out tonight. I went grocery shopping before, before I had to do this, and uh, two guys in line with me, they're, Standing in shorts and sandals. <laughs> Welcome to Wisconsin. Are you are you surprised by the amount of interest that it gets because of the time of year, or it just like you said, it just doesn't matter, and this is just the way it is? I, I think it's I think it's passion. I think it's I think it's just the passion. We've been, we we make these fun. Yeah, uh, you talk to people from out of state that've been to one of our potlucks or one of our one of our contests in Wisconsin, be it Green Bay Masters in May or Death Store. Uh, we make it fun. I mean, how else do you get teams like uh, Clark Crew Barbecue to come here and Darren to come up here five, six, seven times and uh, to come up a couple days early to enjoy it? I think it's the passion. I mean, I'm totally shocked. I talked to a board member this summer telling me how three comps, one in Iowa, I think, and two in Missouri or something, in the middle of June couldn't get 15 teams to make it a qualifier. I mean, Green Bay and its uh, second second year we put 80 teams in there masters in may last year had uh, a double contest 60 teams in each we're going to do the same this year i think it's just i think it's the passion i think it's the passion for the people we started the wisconsin barbecue posse three four years ago to promote barbecue we had four comps here we have 22 this year and i'm not the only one that does this i've got a lot of help uh, there's, there's a guy in the chat room right now, Andy LaFond, who designed our T-shirt and everything. They're going to be uh, released on Saturday, and he's taking all of the all of the money. Is going to Operation Barbecue Relief, but that's the way the people are here. We lost a very good organizer from Upper Michigan two years ago, Chef Jeff Vigo from the uh, who's the head chair at the Culinary Institute here at Fox. 
Fox Vocational, Fox Valley Vocational, Fox Valley Technical College. He started a student scholarship fund two years ago. Mm-hmm. We needed ten thousand dollars to make it sustain itself in perpetuity, and we hit that mark already. Wow. Um, our kids' Q contest, Masters in Maine Green Bay. Each kid that's in that contest receives a two hundred fifty dollars scholarship. Not a winner. Every kid. Yep. Now, I want you to think about a 12-year-old <laughs> who does two, three of those contests a year for the next six years, gets that free scholarship, puts in for the grant of another 500 or or $1,000 he can pay for his first year of college. Work. Yeah, that's right. So I, I, think it's, I think it's the passion. I mean, we have, uh, I think I have 13 already signed up for Choked Chicken. Tim, from competing on the team and then putting on events themselves are obviously two drastically different options, right? I mean, one you're cooking and one you're putting on. Uh, and obviously you're passionate for both. Do you have a personal preference for one or the other? I mean, do you really like, would you really prefer just to be cooking because it's the competitive side or um, do you like to put it on? <clears throat> Double contests are getting a little tough on me. Um, I'm going in for surgery Monday. And, uh, you know, a pretty critical surgery. But uh, I enjoy the organizing and the getting people together. I enjoy getting people involved. And uh, just like I forgot his name from Fast Eddie, who was on earlier. Uh, Stuart Powell. I also, I also agree. We're, we're trying to throw our first guinea pig here this year. Maybe I wasn't supposed to say that. But I'm getting help from Sterling and I'm getting help from Darren. Smithfield and hopefully Snake River Farms, um, and, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I have a 40-foot trailer, you know, and a dually that pulls it, and a big, beautiful smoker, but um, I think the difference here in Wisconsin, teams like Big E and Crash Test Smokers and myself and a few other teams, we've taken these new teams and paid for their meat, two, three contests, sometimes more, yep. to get them started. Now we got to find out a way to keep this from becoming NASCAR. I know what it costs to do this. And my nephew, he's struggling to do it. And I know he's trying to do 10 or 15 contests to make me happy. We've got to get to the point that we can make this equal for everybody. And I believe that the guinea pig, I think it's a great idea. You know, one fee, everybody cooking the same product, you know, that guy that's cooking, uh, you know, brand X Y Z isn't going to cook his quality meat, but he's still going to get a quality meat. Yeah. But that guy that's been struggling to get his name called, he's going to be in awe because he gets to cook something like a Smithfield pork butt and ribs or a, or a Snake River Farms brisket. And I think it's going to help to level the playing field. Do you do you anticipate at some point? Because as you said, there there does seem to have been a disconnect between what people uh, assume it takes and then are struggling to get it like your like your nephew will there be like an, an uh, i don't know even what to call it like an elite level or a, a hyper professional level where maybe you have uh, you know 20 teams and they do kind of a more condensed schedule where it is more nascari and then you have more of a an average joe which would be the majority of people right uh, doing something more along the lines of a guinea pig style competition well, I think it could come to that, but I also think, and I was taught, you know, 
My dad taught me, when you go golfing, why are you going with your brother? He golfs like you. Go with somebody good that will kick your ass and teach you something. And, and I mean, that's, that's exactly how we started out. Um, you know, people say to me, well, you're, you're going down to Westmont or you're going here. Do you know who's down? I don't care who's down there. I'm not cooking for them. I'm cooking for me and I'm cooking for the judges. And I think you get that in your head, it helps. I'll give you a, we, we've got a brand new team and you know about this, Greg. My, my daughter who lost her husband in January and December started a team in his honor with his best friend. They cooked, I'm going to guess seven or eight contests. One contest, they did not get a call. I believe they were in the top five, four contests. Mm. Now, he's cooking with an easy-up, a plastic table, a $99 Brinkman from Menards or Walmart, <laughs> and my old Traeger. Yeah. I swear to God, you can look it up. And he cooks. Okay, now that's, that's starting the year. He ended the year with, I believe, a 32-foot toy trailer. <laughs> And I just sold him a Myron Mix and MMS 36 water smoker that he's cooking on here and for this year. Wow. So, you know, I, I mean, I think it's all a mindset. But the biggest thing is you got to make it so that they can get in. And, I mean, once you set the hook, they're gone. And it's up to them if they want to advance. You know, uh, it's... There's, there, we got guys out here cooking on drums. we got guys out here cooking on jambos. And, you know, even amongst the elite, let's go to the elite. You know, we've got Darren and Rod and all them guys cooking on jambos. And then you get my tall buddy, geeky Tim Shear cooking on four garbage cans. Right. They're all, all successful. It's all what you want to do. Tim Shop joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Tim's Full Belly Deli. And the Frozen Bones contest is going to be taking place. This coming weekend, choke the chicken next month as well. So if you're interested, hit Tim up, and I'm sure he'll be happy to give you the information or find it on Facebook. Tim, always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you, Greg. You got it. There's Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli talking about frozen bones. All guests on the Barbecue Central Show appear via the Smithfield Hotline. Yummy. That's a guy who's got passion for barbecue in all phases, by the way. Putting on events and competing in events. That's that's tough. By the way, Tim, uh, thoughts and prayers to you on your surgery for Monday. You said it was kind of major, so hopefully you pull out with no issues. Our thoughts are with you, my friend. Thanks for coming on. All right, folks, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show from Warminster, Pennsylvania, the Barbecue Guru. If you have been thinking about automatic pit temperature control devices, stop here. This is the company that started it all. They are the creators of this technology. Why are you going to buy from anybody else? I don't know. Maybe you're a busy working professional or... Perhaps you're constantly on the run with kids, doing errands. Quite frankly, you just don't have the time to set around and tend the pit. I get it. So does the Guru. It allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, or all of that. And then you are off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. The most technically savvy model right now is the CyberQ Wi-Fi. The other end of that spectrum, the Party Q. 
So CyberQ Wi-Fi can control actually up to two different pits. You can monitor internal temperatures of meat. You can connect your smart device, whatever that is. Monitor the temp of the pit and the meat. If you're cooking too fast or slow, you can ramp up the pit or ramp down the pit to accommodate your cooking time. The Party Q, on the other hand, is the cruise control for pits. Set it in five-degree increments. It's a self-contained package. It runs on AA batteries. Easiest point of entry when it comes to pit temperature control technology. We're also going to be talking to Bob Trudnack in two weeks' time about the refreshed Onyx Oven. A lot of you guys have been asking me about that, saying it's not on the website anymore. Relax. The new ones are coming out, folks, and they're going to look really cool. Do yourself a favor. Head on over to the website, thebbqguru.com, and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, call them directly. 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Ask questions, okay? 800-288-GURU or the website, thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru continues to be a breakthrough in barbecue technology. Wow. Tim Shop, what a great interview that guy is. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, runs a fleet of Peterbilts, too. Tim, if you want a good deal on a Peterbilt Class 8, I'm your hookup. Forget that guy. You probably have a 20-year relationship. Forget it. Barbecue, baby. 389, I got you. 579, I got you. 567, I got you. All right, uh, we're back to wrap up the show right after this. Stick around. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey! I am what I am. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. A couple minutes left here to wrap it up. Thanks again to Tim Shop for joining me this past segment talking about the Frozen Bones contest. Uh, again, and I don't know if there's still time. Tim, is there still time if people want to get in? Can they register for the one coming up here in a couple days? Otherwise, roll those weather dice and do the choke the chicken next month. And Tim's right. I mean, he's he's pulling a inordinate amount of teams compared to some of the other places across the country that can't fit 15 or 20 teams in what would normally be considered a barbecue area or region. Uh, I mean, I'm not speaking in blasphemic terms when I say that, you know, Wisconsin, not traditionally known for being a uh, barbecue hotbed. Now, that being said, Tim Shop and the Wisconsin Barbecue Posse doing their best efforts to change that. But historically speaking, it would be like me saying that Cleveland is not traditionally a barbecue, re- or Ohio is not a barbecue region. It's not. Tim Shop says, hey, if you're down for rib, uh, frozen bones, there are two days left to register. So get on it. All right. There you go. Let's wrap it up. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Stephen Reichlin, barbecuebible.com, projectsmoke.org. Then 
We had a conversation with Stuart Powell from Cookshack. Cookshack.com. We especially talked about electric smokers. And then he introduced the new pizza pellet, the new pellet-fired pizza oven. Industrial first and then residential, probably towards summer. No price points on those yet, but I will pass that information as I get it and as it is availed to me. And then in the second hour, we talked with Adam Gotro from Cajun Blaze Barbecue about winning the Sunnies event this past weekend in Sanford, Florida. Uh, he's been doing it for 16 years. He wins a lot. Him and his partner, Jason, very accomplished, competitive barbecue cooks. So always love talking barbecue with the guys that know what they're doing. And he'll be out doing 20 to 25 events this year or so, depending on what the kids and wives and where the events are. And rounding it out tonight with Tim Shop from Tim's Full Belly Deli. And again, if you're interested in still registering for Frozen Bones, you have two days left to do it. He's happy to have you or look for Choke the Chicken next month. One-day event, one meat category. Get your feet wet. Get hooked. As he said, set the hook and they're off and running. All right, big show already planned for next week. Got a lot of stuff locked and loaded. September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.